Welcome to Nothing New Under the Sun. It's a podcast about those honorable and ham-fisted movie remakes, those franchises that Hollywood just won't let die. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Mulan. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dave, and this here is my co-host, Mike. What's new today? Let's get down to business. Oh, no. To review Mulan. Oh, my God. I just wanted, I wanted to start off real high energy and fun because this is this is going to be very very somber and, and not fun for the rest of the podcast. Hi hi guys, this is this is Mike. I'm here. We're gonna we're gonna talk about all the politics of Mulan. Dave, when we set out to make a a movie review podcast, did you think that we were gonna be doing uh, politics related episodes? Uh, no. In fact, this is uh, <laughs> kind of excited, and I'm a little nervous. <laughs> oh man, yeah. This is this is gonna be this is gonna be a wild ride. Um, we've just we've waited so long to actually cover this movie that just the situation surrounding it has become worse and worse and worse in every perceivable way, whether it was the story in the media surrounding it or how much money it was making for Disney or how just the movie actually was. It's just like there's no good story to be found here. <laughs> so uh, both that is both literally true in the sequel for the movie and in real life surrounding yes. it. Uh, every time I would go on Reddit or something and I would see a news article regarding Mulan, it would just be like a sense of dread overcomes me. Like, oh no, what now? Oh no! It was just adding. It was just piling up more and more things we have to talk about. So uh, let's just dive right in. The Ballad of Mulan is a folk song composed in uh, the area which is now known uh, as China, the just just all China. Back then, it was the uh, Northern Wei Dynasty and the Southern Chen Dynasty. Um, it was composed in the Northern Wei China Dynasty from somewhere between 386 to 535 AD, and uh, it was then um, recorded in the. Uh, Southern Chen Dynasty, somewhere between 557 and 589 AD. So this is a story um, that is 1,500 years long that is supposedly based on a real person. Who who can say? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, who could say if anybody back then really existed? I There's no... Uh, explicit proof. There's, There's no way to know. We have this song, including Jesus. We have this song about them to base it off of, and that's really it. Um, the original folk song is is just that. It's a short folk song. There's no societal sexism for Mulan to overcome. There's no uh, societal problems with her being a woman and going off to war. There really just is a war. Her father is old. She goes in his place to fight. Um, it's an all-male reg- regiment, so she goes disguised as a male. And then once the war is over, she takes her disguise off, and her fellow sh- soldiers who walked her back home are like, huh, she's a woman. Neat. And that's kind of it. <laughs> wow, that was actually hyper-progressive. You know, that was, I like it better, that story, than the sequel to you, the movie. You don't really have time in uh, folk songs to get into deep uh, geopolitical... On societal problems and politics going on. No, it says right here. It says right here in these ancient scrolls. Let me explain systemic misogyny. <laughs> right, right, right. So and then, and then it goes off for five verses about it. It's a whole thing. So um, all of the uh, dramatized conflicts that we now typically associate with Mulan, uh, especially here in the U.S., such as Mulan having to overcome her sexist society 
thinking that she's worthless as a woman and can't fight in the war. All the times where she's basically told that her, she exists only to marry a man to bring honor to her family. That's all kind of more U.S. Uh, elements. But those were all added in subsequent like retellings of the story. Um, and there are a lot of retellings of Mulan. Um, the Disney one, which is the most popular here in the United States and most of Western culture, is certainly not the most popular version of this story um, in uh, more Eastern Asian uh, territories. So Disney was really fighting an uphill battle here <laughs> making this movie. Um, in fact, there were four other Mu- or four Mu- uh, Mulan adaptations in total that came out in China this year. One being a real badass animated movie. So <laughs> Disney um, Disney was fighting a losing battle trying to make this a uh, a movie that would appeal to the area that actually wrote the story. Do we know if Mulan is Disney's first minority Disney princess? Um, I would say that I, I guess she is. I mean, looking at the list of Disney movies, um, they're all kind of vaguely European stories. And Mulan, I'm I'm one of these sticklers. I'm this asshole. Mulan is not a princess. Um, she Ooh. is just a, uh, a member of the army who goes home and then marries a general. Though, according to the Disney princess merchandise line, I guess she is. But Mulan technically did come out after Pocahontas, oh, who, again, see, there you go. is not a princess. Right. <laughs> She's just the daughter of the chief. But I guess, like, if we're going to allow Mulan to be a princess, Mulan, uh, Pocahontas has more claim to the to the title. Yeah, I, I think Disney princess is like a capital P. Like, it's like a title. Oh, and Aladdin you know came out way before this. What are oh, you talking Aladdin. about? We okay, have Aladdin, no, right. we yeah. have Pocahontas, we have Mulan. Come on, Dave. You're right. <laughs> That's way, that, I, I was totally wrong. So, Mulan, uh, 1989, um, was made on a budget of an estimated $90 million. It made an opening week $22 million. So, huh. this movie was a huge hit. Um, yeah. It made it, especially in the U.S., uh, we had an um, overall gross of $120 million. Um, worldwide, uh, $300 million. So, this movie was very, very successful in all parts of the world except China for multiple reasons. <laughs> right before Mulan came out, Disney decided to release a uh, Martin Scorsese movie called Kundun. Did you ever hear of Kundun? No, never. This was Martin Scorsese's 1997 movie about the Dalai Lama. Um, he made it, and he couldn't get any studio to fund it. Um, no no mo- uh, studio wanted to touch this movie because the Chinese government basically said, if you put this movie out, we're going to boycott your studio. Wow. And Disney was riding up on their high horse and they were like well you can't ban disney from your country so we're gonna release kundun for you um and then china made good on their threat and they banned all disney movies from being released in china i was gonna say china is probably thinking watch us watch us right exactly um this this led to a whole debacle where um Disney had to hire Henry Kissinger to smooth things over with China. Um, Michael Eisner um, apologized later for the release of Kundun, saying that it was a bad idea to release it and that nobody went and saw it anyway, so who cares? (laughs) (laughs) So um, Mulan was pushed off almost a whole year in release uh, in China from the rest of the world which gave not only Chinese people plenty of time to illegally torrent and pirate the movie, but also 
like for the movie to die down in its cultural relevance. This movie came out almost a year ago. Nobody cared anymore. Right. So it came out in China in the middle of the school year, and everyone had already seen it, and it made almost no money there. So Disney's attempt to make this um, Chinese folktale to appeal to Chinese audiences the first time failed. And that's on top of it just being completely westernized and changed from the Chinese folklore in, in the beginning. Like they all of the elements like the Mushu the talking dragon and all of the um how much they just talk about honor. Like all of that is such so pandering to the audiences in China to begin with that they would rather see one of their other hundred versions of Mulan that they come out with every year. Right. So. I can I can imagine uh the roles being reversed. You know, China comes out with this movie that's all about like American stereotypes. It's like the main character has like a Yankees jersey on and he eats nothing but hot dogs. He drives like an 18-wheeler. I couldn't think of an American story. I guess now it would be like Hamilton. If China came out with their version of Hamilton written by what a bunch of Chinese executives think Americans like about Hamilton. Right. Like that would kind of be the equivalent. But what I thought about when I was watching it was Robin Hood, right? It's not an American story, but it's a very clearly uh, Western story, right? Sure. And also Um, could be be a metaphor for uh, the United States and and Great Britain. I could see that. And it's a story that we've seen. It comes out. There's a new Robin Hood all the time, right? There's like – you just had one two years ago where they tried to make it all like Batman Beyond or or Batman Begins. Like they, they keep coming out with new versions of Robin Hood. It doesn't stop. But if China tried to do Robin Hood and like tried to do it specifically for a um, English or American market and be like, this is what Robin Hood is, right? This is what you like about it. It would just come off as completely pandering and weird. And that's kind of how Disney repeatedly trying to make Mulan comes off to a Chinese audience uh, because they have hundreds of other versions. Right. So, right. Of course. Uh, this was Disney's 38th animated film. The film was originally planned as an animated short entitled China Doll about an oppressed and miserable Chinese girl who was whisked away by a British British Prince Charming to the happiness of the West. Um, Disney, yep. Disney then uh, had a consultant with a children's book author, uh, Robert D. San Sochi. I hope I got that right. Um, who suggested instead making a movie based on the Chinese poem, The Song of Fa Mulan, which we talked about before. Sure. Um, I should say probably at the top here, just so everybody knows, we are probably going to badly butcher a lot of traditional oh, uh, Chinese names. So the, we the bad pronunciations are coming. <laughs> so um, the two projects were combined um, based on the pre- uh, pre-production that was already done on China Doll, and Disney created um, Mulan. All the other things kind of just uh, the movie fell into place through typical Disney style. Um, one of the things I thought was really cool was they there was an initial idea to have the movie done in a traditional Japanese wa- or Chinese watercolor style. So they sent all of their animators to China to learn traditional Chinese watercolor oh, cool. for making the movie, which I'm pretty sure did not make its way into the final uh, film. Yep, but I just love that Disney used to do stuff like this. Just be like, yeah, you know what? Take all of our animators, send them over to China for a month, have them practice this like weird art form. We'll see if it works. And then they come back and they're like, nah, it doesn't really work. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens when you got the Disney budget, you know? Now Disney sets a release date and is like, you have three months to get through pre-production. You better <laughs> produce something good. 
So this was back in the day where they were more uh, concerned about the art than the development of the movie. Mushu, the character, obviously comes around because um, Robin Williams did such a good job in Aladdin as the genie. And yep. they wanted another comedian doing quick pop culture-y styled jokes. Um, this was the... Uh, oh, Mulan originally in the original script was going to be a two-headed dragon. Mushu, you mean. Um, and then he was going to be a giant dragon. He was almost cut from the film because he was going to be a giant dragon. And then they, um, someone explained to them that in Chinese folklore, dragons can actually be any size. So they made Mushu a miniature dragon so that he wouldn't be so large and imposing while Mulan had to like go on this mission to sneak into the army and try not to get caught. Mushu is one of the most endearingly, uh, lastingly charming sidekicks, I think, in a Disney movie because the main criticism that people have with the new movie has nothing to do with the politics. It has nothing to do with the music. People just keep saying there's no Mushu and I don't want to see it. Right. I think what I, upon rewatching here, here's where I'm going to get canceled. Upon my rewatch here, I didn't think Mushu was as funny as I did as an eight year old child. Right. Um, I thought it was more annoying than anything, but his character has so much heart in that he's not only on this mission to get Mulan to, successfully fight in the army in her father's place and not get killed but also to find his own place like with among the guardians whereas i don't really i can't think of any other disney talking uh quippy sidekicks who have their own kind of emotional journey that they go on there's the one scene where mulan um after she's found out to be a woman and she's kicked out of the army, right? And they're all in this. Her, Mushu, and Cricket are all in the snow. Yep. And they're all just, they're trying to make a fire and they're all talking about how, like, they've all hit this low point now. It's not just Mulan who's at this low point. Mushu's trying his hardest to cheer her up, but even he has to be like, I've also, like, um, failed because I was never even a real guardian. I was just trying to prove myself to be one. And then one of my favorite moments in the movie is where Cricket reveals that he's not actually lucky. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was going to say one of the things that um, it, it reminds me again of the genie, right? Because he has uh, sort of some skin in the game instead of just being the sidekick, right? He wants to be free. Uh, he wants Aladdin to succeed for himself also. I'd say the difference here between those two characters is that the genie is trying his hardest so that Aladdin can use his last wish to set the genie free, right? If he gives Aladdin what he wants, Aladdin will then bestow his freedom upon him. It's right. like he has to help he has to help Aladdin out here before Aladdin is even willing to like bother helping him. Yep. Whereas Mushu here is in a similar situation where he has to help Mulan out, but he from the very beginning is just a loser nobody and he's trying to prove himself as well. Yeah. He he has his stake in the game is his lot in life as much as as uh it is Mulan's. Uh yeah, that's definitely a good point. He has uh a little bit of skin in the game for himself. It's not just like a sort of quid pro quo, right? Right. Um, um, I thought the best um, relationship in this movie, though, was between Mulan and her father, which we definitely don't get in the new movie. Not even close. Uh, as soon as they're on screen together, you really feel like they care about each other, and there was a lot of work done behind the scenes. Um, the All of the animators who worked on Mulan also worked on her father and they always had the same team working together to animate those two characters oh, that's so great that there idea. would be a conjunction in how they appeared on screen yeah like, so that you always felt like these two characters were connected even more so than all the other characters in the movie yep 
No, that's great. Uh, and, you know, it lends a lot of weight to what Mulan is doing, right? It's not just because she wants to prove herself uh, to be a badass fighter, which is kind of the, the message that it seems like in the new movie. Uh, right. She's doing it for her dad. Uh, right. And do you, you get that emotional connection right from the start. As soon as, like, uh, Mulan, their first interaction is her giving her, her dad tea because the doctor said he's supposed to have it. And he's trying to get her to be on time because she has these expectations of her. And they're immediately you see this this relationship where they really care about each other, um, which works. It works so well for when she actually takes off because you understand exactly why she's doing it, like why she would care enough yeah. to uh, defend her father, even after he like yelled at her or whatever in the, in the one scene. Yeah, you can um, you can put yourself in her shoes, which is important, you know, for the protagonist, right? In the new right. movie, I mean, we'll talk about it, but it doesn't seem like you can put yourself into the shoes of Mulan in the new movie because she's like a badass ninja from the time when she's like six years old. Like she's doing like wire fighting backflips off of houses like when she's a little kid. Right. Um, I'm jumping around my notes a little bit here. I probably should have just followed them in order. But do you want to hear some alternative casting for uh, the role of Mushu? When, yeah. Like, so they obviously they knew, like I said, they wanted to do a Robin Williams type of like quippy pop culture reference-y uh, kind of jokey sidekick character so originally cast was joe pesci oh my god <laughs> so i uh, just picture joe pesci as mushu going through <laughs> the movie uh i thought that would have been amazing casting hey uh Mulan, <laughs> you gotta you gotta bring out of your family you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah i wish that would um joe pesci eventually dropped out and um Rob, eddie murphy was approached to play the character but he kind of said that he would only do it if he could do it from his mansion in Inglewood, New Jersey, which is why Eddie Murphy has only really done voiceovers since then because he built a recording. He had Disney build a recording studio in his basement. So now he can do all these, like the whole Shrek franchise also recorded in uh, Eddie Murphy's basement. Oh, damn. Good for him. You know, so this is one of those things we were talking about, right? Like the when we were talking about Dr. Doolittle is like the Doolittle curse. All the actors who have played Dr. Doolittle, it's kind of like they've done nothing afterwards. But Eddie Murphy totally transformed his career into like this prolific voice acting thing after Doctor Doolittle. He just well, I mean, it's a little. I don't know if it, you you could say he transformed his entire career around. He kind of just got real lazy and was like, "Well, I don't want to leave my house to do this dumb movie. I'm not coming all the way to Florida." Potato, potato. <laughs> you know, he turned a bug into a feature. It was definitely a smart move. Yeah. Um, this also was, if anybody was a fan of, uh, if anybody was a Disney World fan like me during the 90s, this was the first Disney movie to be fully animated at the Florida Animation Studio that you would walk through um, during the Art of Animation um, walkthrough experience in uh, oh, cool. Hollywood Studios. So you could walk through and watch all the animators through like uh, glass screens uh, animating the whole movie and drawing all the characters out. So. That would um, come back later when they would replace the show that was shown before the Art of Animation walkthrough experience um, with a Mushu-led show when originally it was a Robin Williams show. You know what so, I was just thinking? <laughs> he he replaced Robin Williams in more ways you than know, one. Why didn't they ever replace Figment with Mushu? You know, I feel like that would have been a natural transition. Listen, the, you want, we are going to fight if you <laughs> if you you want to get into this topic. <laughs> you can't. I'm just saying, it's, this is the kind of thing that Disney uh, World does, right? Like they replaced Alien Encounter with Stitch, right? I'm just thinking that you know it, yeah. it's a natural transition. You'll be getting uh, your Inside Out replacement for Journey into Imagination uh, just I soon bet. enough. So 
I'm I'm sure of it. But anyway, um, Mulan. Going back into the story, the uh, character immediately is shown to be really brave and ingenuitive, which I really liked. Um, it's not just her learning to fight and be a badass. Like she has a place on the team that she feels better than the rest of the men yeah, that she's fighting with. Her cleverness, her cleverness is a really what good... makes her strong, you know, and it's what the other people lack. Right. So they do a really good job when she's on her way to meet the matchmaker. She wins the uh, the the chess game for the guy with just one move, but like just yeah. walking past. Like they're both staring at it and like rubbing their chins. They don't know what to do, and she just moves the one chess piece. Um, and then later, of course, in the song that I sang before, uh, Make a Man Out of You, she uses the two things to, um, the two weights to get up the pole instead of trying to just climb it. Man, and use that is, strength. If, if there is um, no more clear metaphor for the strengths of the original movie and the weaknesses of the new movie, it is that scene, <laughs> you know, where the two weights are, what does he say? It's like, it's discipline and determination or something. And you'll need both of these to, to right. climb the the pole, right? And all the other characters, of course, see it as a handicap and Mulan utilizes it through her cleverness to climb, you know, the, the pole and succeed. That is the metaphor of the original Mulan movie, right? She has a perspective that they lack. Right. She's smarter than everyone and she could be anyone. She solves the, the, the problems through her ingenuity and everyone else is focused on brute force. And in the new movie, not only is that scene not in it, but Mulan is just better at fighting than everyone else, which makes absolutely no sense and right. ruins the entire metaphor. Right. So um, another thing that I don't know, I don't know if you noticed this. I definitely didn't remember this uh, kind of plot hole from the, my original watchings as a child. But during that same song, um, during Make a Man Out of You, Mulan is just sent home for being a really right. shitty soldier. And if she is just simply here to um save her dad from having to die in war couldn't she have just gone home then <laughs> does she Great. really need to just keep to keep hanging out and pretending to be a soldier oh, like she was no. sent home all like, right, I, all right. I guess i've been discharged and then if that's if that's the conceit that like that shitty soldiers gets just get sent home couldn't she just have let her dad go <laughs> like, like he would he would have showed up and Shang would have handed him those weights and been like, get that arrow. And he'd been like, I have a bum leg. And they'd been like, oh, you gotta go, you home, gotta go old man. You, know? <laughs> you gotta get out of here. So I, I thought, I, I, though I appreciated uh, that scene a lot, I thought that kind of ruined the, the whole con- plot conceit of the movie. Is that Mulan is here because her father would have been forced to go and die in war. It's like, no, her, your father would have showed up and been sent home because he's That's a right. fragile she old man. She gets sent home and she's like, this <laughs> is perfect. need him. Movie resolved. Credits roll. Right, credits roll. I think uh, now that we're talking about make a man out of you, you know, which of course is uh, you know a pun, right? They're gonna make a man out of her. Um, we have to talk about how amazing the songs are in this movie, and it's not just that song. You know, there's got a, a girl worth fighting for, which I couldn't help but sing like every day in my apartment uh, after watching this movie. Uh, the reflection song, uh, bring honor to us all. This movie has pound for pound, probably uh, it might have the best soundtrack of any Disney movie. It definitely, this is, this movie leans heavily on its soundtrack for sure. Not that the story isn't also great, but like Christina Aguilera has her entire career to thank because she did the, the, uh, cd recording of um reflections. Oh, I didn't know that. And that's what really made like hit big in the U S and like made her a star. So, 
the all of the music in this movie is really great. Um, I love the way the music is used, of course, because you have the training scenes that lead up to um, a girl worth fighting for, and then they're all marching off to battle, and they sing a girl worth fighting for, and it's still a goofy musical. And then as soon as they hit that desolated village where it's just a a scene of like murder and genocide, the movie is no longer a musical yeah. from that moment on. There's no more songs sung, and that tonal shift is what really kicks this movie into high gear because you feel the weight of what's going on because it's shook all these characters to their core. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that this goofy, silly, fun, wholesome animated movie did a better job of conveying the horrors of war than the new movie, which by all accounts is much more serious. Right. Uh, at least it would like you to believe that it's much more serious. Right. It's, it's a very goofy movie. Not not a goofy movie. But <laughs> yeah, notably not movie. anything quite as good as a goofy movie. Uh, or uh, or an extremely goofy movie. Right. <laughs> something, something, can you explain something to me? Maybe you know. Something happened around okay. when we were teenagers. Maybe when we were maybe like 17 or 18, when everyone in the world our age became obsessed with the song Be a Man from Mulan. It was like people were singing it. It was just like this collective unlocking of the teenager consciousness. Uh, maybe it's just that Mulan came out like right when we were at the age where stuff was starting to like imprint on us, right? It like. I hope everybody listening also feels that way. <laughs> this is just like a regional thing for our high school. But yes, I do remember everyone kind of being obsessed with that song. I think it's just because it, it's it's catchy and it's easy to learn and it has such bravado. That it you you're it carries itself in like a, such a serious tone where um, you're the tone the themes of the song are more than just kind of some goofy Disney thing that would have been sure. sung about yeah. like before that makes then like sense. nobody's going nobody's gonna walk around singing um, uh, the song from The Lion King um, right. I just can't wait to be king like that's not <laughs> or nobody's gonna be whatever like um, even though these are all hit songs, like no one's singing uh, the song like Ariel sings when she's showing off all her collection sure. of garbage in yeah, her yeah. like den. Like that's not. But walking around singing like the the war training song that has like such a catchy tune to it, I feel like is just a. Uh, it's yeah, cooler. it was. It's a great song. It was just interesting to me that all of a sudden everybody in the world was suddenly obsessed with "Be a Man," uh, and I'm sure it must just be that Mulan came out for people our age. Mulan came out at the exact right time for something to imprint deeply on our uh like cultural awareness or whatever right 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 around the time we were eight eight years old <laughs> yeah exactly yeah there i bet you some psychologist out there listening to this probably my wife will listen to this and like you know facepalm and be like yeah that is when kids start to like stuff <laughs> you idiot <laughs> uh uh underrated um aspect of the original movie that is super good are her squadron, you know, her cast of soldiers. Right. Uh, the the goofy fat guy and, like, the skinny cowardly guy and, like, the tough, uh, like, smokers growl kind of voice dude. Uh, they were great. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they, all the physical comedy that they do. Uh, and you know who they are. You know who each individual person is and you care about them all. Um, it, right. You get the different ki- types of personalities that they each have immediately as soon as you're introduced to them. Um, I love the camaraderie. Again, we're going back to the. It's this is the best scene of the movie. I really is, is also what I think it is because the scene conveys so much of the story. If we're going to get back into why everyone loved this song, you have this 
when the song starts, you have all these characters who are kind of diametrically opposed to each other. They immediately when they meet, they do not like each other. They do not get along. And as the song begins and they're all training, they just suck. <laughs> they're just the worst. They do everything, literally everything <laughs> wrong. They're 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 bickering with each other, like at, for like being soldiers in in arms. Um, like they they can't uh, they can't do the stick thing right. They can't jump across the the pillars correctly. Um, they can't shoot an arrow. They're just they're constantly just getting beaten down by this guy who is just trying to make them better soldiers. And they're just and he's just constantly berating them right. with how shitty they are. And then throughout the course of that montage, you get to see them actually become good soldiers and form a camaraderie. And by the time that song ends, you don't need another scene. You get yeah. that they're all friends now and that they, like, they all like work together. There's the juxtaposed um, when he steals the stick out of the air for Mulan and like, throws it on the ground or whatever. And then when he grabs it for her and hands it to her. And you immediately, like from those from the beginning of the song to the end of the song, you're like, oh, like this is it feels like an earned moment in, that they can convey in just one scene. Yeah, there, <laughs> so, another thing that is um, the, the, what what you're saying, right, is that this movie does a lot of good uh, show don't tell, right? Whereas in the new movie, they literally right. like they they agonizingly tell don't show. <laughs> it, it is so eye rolling, so many eye roll moments in the new movie when they say something like like you know. Mulan, she can't go to war for me. She's a girl. They're going to find out that she is a girl. It's just like... But what if they find out that she is a girl? <laughs> so um, we talked about uh, in our very first episode of this podcast, we, we, we did The Invisible Man. We talked about The Invisible Man surprisingly having the highest body count. Would you be shocked to hear that Mulan of all the Disney princesses has the highest body count? Uh, it does not surprise me at all because in my notes, four lines down from what we're talking about right now, it says Mulan kills like 5,000 people. 2,000 people, but yes, she, does. <laughs> she yeah. kills 2,000 people minus six, so 1,904 people. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the avalanche scene, totally mind-blowing. So right? good. Um, that's the second time Disney's using that um, computer animation that they used in The Lion King Lion previous King to that. For the, for um, the, uh, I, I thought that was the same thing that I was thinking. It was, it, it, was the, the, it was the exact same thing as The Lion King. They had, they had that, they'd used that technology before for the wildebeest scene, and they just reused it here. But the, that scene is, you really feel how intense it is for this small regime all of a sudden because Mushu fucked up because he's an idiot. <laughs> this giant hun <laughs> army of 2,000 soldiers come roaring over the hill towards them. And the scene after Mulan kills them all, where they're emerging from the snow, is just both those scenes are so well done. And you really, it makes these guys feel like really formidable uh, villains for all of our characters to deal with. Yeah, and it's great because Mulan defeats them not by, you know, as we'll talk about in the new movie, not by being a badass fighter. By, but by, you know, coming up with a creative solution. Right. She she gets the arrow and she shoots it over the hill and she ties it to her horse and everything. Yeah. Um, the Everything about that scene I also loved because you also get the tie-in where our, character, our other male characters are really dumb, shoots the arrow and just lets it fly. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um. Yeah, this this is a good movie. Mulan, nineteen ninety eight. Maybe culturally offensive to those in Japan, but I I give it two thumbs up. For all of its minor flaws, I mean, it, it's extremely good. It 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 is better than it has any right to be. I was so excited to watch it, and then when we finished it, I was like, I want to watch it again. And we listened to the soundtrack in the car throughout the week. It was awesome. And then you watch Mulan too, right? 
I did not watch Mulan 2. <laughs> <laughs> I got halfway through Mulan 2. I, I watched Mulan 2 after watching Mulan 2020, and it just felt like torture at that point. <laughs> um, Why are two, you punishing yourself? Right, I know. I couldn't. I physically couldn't do it. Uh, Mulan 2 is a straight-to-VHS movie, or I guess DVD. 2005 is DVDs, right? Straight-to-DVD movie um, from Disney Movie Tune Studios. Um, they started out by making... Um, the DuckTales movie and the Goofy movie. And then from there on out, they just made straight to VHS and DVD um, sequels to every Disney movie possible. They're all terrible garbage. Very few of them have any redeeming qualities, and this one is nothing different. Um, The plot (laughs) is Mulan has to escort um, the Emperor's three daughters to enter into an arranged marriage with the Huns so that they can end the war between the two families. Um, Oh, boy. And uh, Mulan is upset that she's enabling this arranged marriage. So she helps the princesses realize that they can't go through with an arranged marriage. And instead, they have to follow their heart. Um, And then the movie never touches upon, like, the consequences of that. Because the whole plot is that if they don't marry these guys, this war will continue. And seemingly, like, millions will die. So Mulan's just okay (laughs) with that. As long as these three princesses get to marry the, the people they love, not the people they were arranged to marry. She's cool with, like, entire villages getting slaughtered, I guess. Um, never, just add it up to the Mulan body count. It's never talked about. Backing up those numbers. Uh, Mushu also spends the entire movie trying to break up Mulan and Li Shang for some reason, and he's just like the most unlikable character. So, is it still Eddie uh, Murphy? No, it is Mark Mosley, who um, it got has like a whole side career of doing Eddie Murphy impressions. He also does Shrek and all the straight to DVD um, Shrek things. So, oh, man. Or, or donkey, be... I mean, sorry. He does donkey and all the straight to DVD. Yeah, right. Things. Yeah, no, I got you. So that must, be, that must be kind of a sad job. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure it's good money. <laughs> Shout out to you that know what? guy. I, but... I'm sure there are more people like that out there than we even know. It's just whole careers. But one thing I did think was interesting about Mulan too um, was that they got other than Mark Mosley to replace Eddie Murphy, they actually had like a huge cast for this. I don't know how they tricked these people into doing it. The three princesses <laughs> are played by Lucy Liu, Sandra Oh, and Lauren Tom. Like wow. three big name actresses. I don't know. What, what did they tell them? Would they, <laughs> like, they, unless, unless Disney also just built them recording studios in their basements so they could be like, hey, could you just do this stupid straight to DVD movie for us? We'd really appreciate it. They sent them a contract that says, do you want to do Mulan? And then in really small letters, it says two. (laughs) So, yeah, that's Mulan (laughs) 2. It's it's terrible. Uh, Watch it if you want to hate yourself. All right. So follow us on Instagram at nothingnew.show. Our website URL, as always, is www.nothingnew.show. We appreciate you listening to these podcasts. Uh, It's really blown us away how good of a response we've gotten on this uh when i get the email every week that tells us how many downloads i'm like wow this is pretty sweet please tell your friends and family uh word of mouth is always the best uh advertisement uh it would really also help if you would leave us a review on your podcast app of choice uh and we also have a patreon uh where you can support the show and the links for those things are in the episode description one of the cool perks of patreon membership uh, not only is that you get to see our ever-changing schedule of podcasts to come based on the way that movie studios have been canceling and moving things due to COVID. Uh, But also, you can suggest a topic for a future show, and we probably will do it unless it's terrible.
Well, actually, you know what? Look, if you pay money, we'll do it. No, if you, if you pay us, you'll, we'll do it. You want to watch us? You want to listen to us watch all of the Chinese Mulan versions? Go ahead, pay us ten dollars, and I will sit down for an entire week and I will watch all of those movies. Um, because that's you, what our time is worth. If you subscribe to our three dollar tier, we still have our poll up for what horror movie you would like to uh, uh, hear us cover during the month of October. Um, Critters is still on there, along with Suspiria, The Grudge, It, and Piranha. Nobody so far has voted, so please go on there and vote and let us know what uh, you would like to hear us do. Your vote may literally be the only determining one. (laughs) It might. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, Mulan 2020. Dave, this movie was a clusterfuck of a release for Disney. How did you feel about Mulan 2020? One of the things that I kept thinking while I was watching the movie is it would be one thing if Disney withstood all of the societal and political pressures to release this movie, you know, if it really kicked ass. If this movie was super good, I could see Disney being like, all right, like we understand that the lead actress said some controversial stuff about the Hong Kong protests. We understand that the coronavirus has affected both of the main markets for this movie and sort of pitted them at odds with one another. We understand that we had to delay this movie. We understand that the movie costs extra in addition to your Disney Plus subscription. But because this movie is so life-changingly good, because it kicks so much ass, we understand all of that and we expect that you will love it. But this movie sucked. There was no reason. In retrospect, it's easy to, to to question why Disney would even attempt to make this film. But if you follow the road that got us to here, it makes so much sense. Um, we I brought it up when we did 101 Dalmatians that um, Disney started the current trend of uh, live-action remakes based on their animated movies with Alice in Wonderland back in 2010, right? Um, right after Alice in Wonderland comes out in 2010 and is a huge hit, immediately all of these fairy tale stories that Disney had um, uh, famously made classics in the past went into production. Um, Snow White and the Huntsman and Mirror Mirror both came out in 2012 as um, Snow White remakes. Um, Disney went into production with, and then Disney had uh, a bunch of other ones. Maleficent came out um, around that time. Uh, Disney went into production, but this is, but Disney started to uh, get reach a problem here when they went into production with The Jungle Book in 2016. Um, when The Jungle Book 2016 was filming, at the exact same time, Warner Brothers and Andy Serkis went into filming The Jungle Book, um, which was going to come out the exact same year. Um, Disney just pushed their production through and got it out before um, Warner Brothers version and it Disney's version ended up making a ton of money which unfortunately for Andy Serkis forced his move, movie have to be pushed back to 2018 and be sold to Netflix because Dis, um, Warner Brothers didn't want to have a competing Jungle Book because they just felt it would it wouldn't make money because everyone already saw the one that they liked um, oh that was that was Mowgli right right Mowgli was originally supposed to just be another Jungle Book to come out also in 2016 just produced by Warner Brothers. So Disney's reaching this problem now where because Disney movies are all based on public domain properties, um, anybody can just step in and start making these movies. So 
Jungle Book is um, coming out in 2016 from Disney. Jungle Book is coming out in 2016 from Warner Brothers. Disney goes into production for, or immediately after uh, Disney releases the Jungle Book, Universal Studios goes in um, into production for The Little Mermaid, starring Chloe Grace Moretz. And this is where oh Disney God. like put their foot down. And Disney immediately starts fast-tracking um, a version of The Little Mermaid um, from Lin-Manuel Miranda, which once uh, Universal's version fell apart that was pushed back and we'll be getting that in a few years from now huh i didn't even know about that uh mulan also was one of these films that uh was put into production because another u.s studio started production on it first um a former sony executive who had just been released from the company um announced that he was going to be working with sony to finance a couple of projects that he had been working on before he was released which included bad boys 3 a charlie's angels reboot and a sony made mulan starring an all chinese cast um this mulan movie would have been the beginning of a partnership between sony and wanda group have you ever heard of wanda group no wanda group are a giant a gigantic chinese conglomerate um, who owns all of wanda cinema chains in china and owns all of amc theaters here in the u.s um, Ooh. yes um, the partnership with Sony would be to produce films in China and then um, show, uh, advertise them for China, but they would still be American-made films. Um, Sony and Wanda Group, or Disney and Wanda Group, on the other hand, have been feuding for a while before this. Uh, this is right around the time when Disney is breaking ground on Shanghai Disneyland, and Disney is working is moving into the Chinese market really aggressively. Wanda huh. Group, obviously being one of their big rivals, is not okay with this. And the uh, Wanda Group CEO, Wang Jianlin, uh, had a problem with Disney Entertainment becoming so prevalent in China at the time because he they had their own theme parks. Um, actually, a Wanda Group theme park had um, Snow White and Captain America at the entrance to greet guests when they got there. And Disney sued them in a lawsuit that went nowhere because the government of China basically just shrugged. <laughs> this but, is interesting seeing the uh uh the disney versus china feud evolve over the years right so um wanda group was not cool with it and wanted to call dibs on disney's chinese property by starting the sony made uh movie so disney announced that um their own version of mulan would be coming out before the sony one and they set, uh, immediately set a release date for um, November 2nd, 2018, which would have been just before the Sony movie would have come out. At first, Sony didn't back down, and they actually uh, hired Alex Graves, who's the former, who is a former director of Game of Thrones, um, to direct that movie. But then that project kind of fizzled out, and no new news came out of it after that. Yeah. Um, once that story fizzled out, much like the Little Mermaid one, Disney... Uh, gave up their release date of November 2nd, 2018 and moved it to March 27th, 2020, which is, of course, when it came out, right? Ooh. <laughs> did, it, did it not hit that release date? You know, something <laughs> happened. I can't remember what. I don't, I don't have it in my notes here. I just, hold on. Let me just check the newspaper I have over here and... Oh, COVID, COVID-19 happened. And the uh, coronavirus yeah, global, pandemic. The global right. pandemic um, forced Mulan to be pushed back. Um, 
Once studios, movie uh, theaters closed, Mulan was pushed back to July 24th, and then it was delayed to August 21st, um, and then it was just taken off the schedule completely, where Mulan was just coming soon. Um, That's when, as we talked about in our last episode where we did our state of the movie industry, um, uh, Bob Chapek uh, decided to announce that it would be premiering on Disney Plus on Friday, September 4th for a $29.99 rental fee. and there's been much con- uh, debate about whether or not that was a fair price for this movie. How do you, I mean, now that you've seen the movie, I, I, I'm sure I know how you feel, um, given your opinions on it. But how did you originally feel about the $29.99 price on top of your price for Disney Plus? Uh, it sucked, man. You know, I, a, I'm kind of a cheapskate, right? So I was upset that I had to pay additional money on top of the Disney Plus subscription fee. Uh, I do understand that I guess it's eventually going to be included. You know, like they were saying that it's twenty nine ninety nine because it's sort of like early access, right? Like by December, they say. Right, you're only unlocking it. It's not a movie that you own. It's just right. a movie that you've unlocked access to. And I could see also, somebody made the point to me that twenty nine ninety nine for myself and my wife, we don't have, you know, we don't have kids, you know, Seems like maybe a lot, you know, like movie tickets might be cheaper or they might not be. I mean, to be honest, uh, but it's definitely cheaper than bringing, you know, uh, a family of three kids to the movies, you know, uh, right. and also buying stuff. So it kind of hurt, you know, but I guess if situation was normal and you were bringing a bunch of kids to the movies, it would probably be like a hundred bucks to go out and see this. So, right. I was split on how I felt about it. Exactly. Um, twenty nine ninety nine is a lot of money to unlock a movie. Uh, especially one that will just be available on Disney Plus for my subscription price in November. If I just waited until November to watch it, I could have essentially watched it, quote-unquote, for free. Um, But at the same time, you are unlocking it in a way that we paid something around $20 to watch Scoob the week that came out, and we only had a 24-hour rental of that movie. That movie is gone. I can't go back and rewatch that now. That's or true. If we've we've brought it up numerous times. Anybody who paid for Trolls World Tour, they had to pay for that over and over and over to rewatch it. That is again just a twenty four hour rental, which is maybe um, more. I don't know. I don't know if it's if, if that's more reasonable than a thirty dollar un- unlocking fee or not. I don't know how I feel about it exactly, but it is thirty dollars does feel like a lot of money. Maybe yeah, if they would have done, maybe if it would have went down to twenty dollars. But again, like if you, when you go to the movie theater, you're paying at least $10 per ticket. If you're a family of five or a family of six and you're going to go, you're all going to get together and watch this movie together, it kind of does make sense for them to pay because you, you had to pay $30, but they only had to pay $30, you know? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so I think that it's maybe not quite as bad as we think because it's just a symptom of companies exploring the space right now, right? Like, uh, we don't know exactly what the best way will it'll turn out to be to monetize, the, you know, movie content online, and so this is just uh, another attempt at it. You know, Trolls World Tour was one very successful attempt. Uh, Scooby Doo is another attempt. This is just another attempt. You know, Netflix has one model, and probably in a few years when this is just the norm and everything happens this way, we'll look back and we'll say, "Oh, that was pretty reasonable," or "No, that was actually terrible." They just didn't know what the market value was yet. Well, unlike Trolls World Tour, this was a very unsuccessful attempt. 
Um, somebody online did the math. There was a video I was watching on YouTube that um, said this was a very smart move for Disney before it was released. This was this was put out there. Um, they said this was a very smart move for Disney because with Mulan costing an estimated two hundred million dollars to make, Disney would need a profit of around four hundred million for the movie to be profitable. And I, I'll bring it up every single time. It's because uh, studios typically spend the exact same amount as the budget and advertising. So you, the rule of thumb here is to double the budget for a movie. That's how right. much they need to make to actually make a profit. So with needing $400 million to make a profit on the movie um, at a price of $30 to unlock Mulan can make Mulan $400 million um, with only 24% of current Disney Plus subscribers choosing to unlock the film. Wow. So, if only 24% of people who own Disney Plus decided to unlock the film, they have made their $400 million. Um, and it seems like they were doing pretty well at first because when it first opened up, Mulan and The Simpsons were going back and forth. I don't know if anybody else has ever paid any attention to what Disney has announced is like the top of the lineup on Disney Plus, but it's always The Simpsons. Nothing has really been able to beat The Simpsons. The Simpsons is number one. If you go on your Disney Plus right now and you look for what is the number one thing people are watching, I can guarantee you it's The Simpsons. So for Mulan to be kind of going back and forth with them in that uh, head-to-head spot for the number one, it really shows that like people were watching it at least for like the first week. It was it was up there. I, I, it had a lot of hype. People were talking about it. You know, people at my job were talking about it. They were excited to hear that, uh, you know, that I was going to buy it and they wanted to know what it was going to be like. Um, so there definitely was. It, it was definitely in the cultural consciousness, right? It's not like like Trolls World Tour. I feel like the average person doesn't really know anything about that, but. Mulan, I feel like almost everybody knew. There's a new Mulan coming out. When does it come out? Oh, I heard it costs money. I heard there's no Mushu. You know. Like I said, they only needed 24% of their current Disney Plus subscribers. This would seem like a slam dunk. It would seem like Disney was really going to make their mo- their money back. Um, it seemed like it was really popular at its release. But the best estimations to this point is that Disney has only made around $90 million on Disney Plus and Jesus. around $150 million overall. That's globally um the only numbers which disney has not announced how much money it's made on disney plus but uh the global market uh in theaters has been released and it's only around 57 million so that's 57 million globally in all theaters opening and to just give you some um sort frame of reference there um earlier this year in china bad boys for life made around 430 million in China alone, (laughs) just China, not anywhere else. And a movie called The 800, which recently opened in China around the same time as Mulan, which was a uh, war film that was re-edited by the Chinese government to essentially be a propaganda film. That made 424 million China, just China. (laughs) So So Mulan globally only made 57 million the 800 made 424 million in China. So oh, this movie was a huge fail. Um, and to if I could um, equate it to something that came out recently uh, from the US market, Tenet, right? Yep. Tenet has only made 36 million um, at the domestic box office. So there's only around 36 million dollars of people who were willing in the US to go and see it in theaters. But right. worldwide, it has made $251 million. So wow. <laughs> this Mo- Warner Brothers movie that was forced into theaters and was not put online has made them $250 million this 
uh, Disney movie, which was put online for a premium release, has only made $150 million. So it's it's not doing good. Um, And I wanted to get into some reasons why people could be um, skipping over Mulan. And of course, one we already talked about is the fee of which it takes to unlock the subscription. Of course, this movie will be free for you to watch or free with a Disney uh, Plus subscription for you to watch in November. So I think a lot of people are just waiting for November, especially once... It came out, and all the reviews for it were pretty negative. Uh, um, Rotten Tomatoes right now has Mulan at a oh god damn it has Rotten Tomatoes right now has Mulan at a seventy five percent from critics, but a fifty one percent from audience. Both of those are are generous. I mean, when I watched this movie, I was I think I texted you or I texted our, our group chat of our friends. I was like, this movie is dog shit. So I couldn't believe the um, the critics' score here on Rotten Tomatoes. It seems absurd, but I I do believe the audience score here at fifty one percent. We've talked about before how um, the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is a little bit skewed because right. everyone who's seen this movie is someone who would want to pay for it. So yep. you're the only people who could in the audience who can review this movie are people who are within the intended audience for the movie and would probably like it. So, out of all those people who were in the intended audience and would probably like this movie, only 51% gave it a positive score. So yeah, you're, you're right, yeah. Even with the selection bias. <laughs> right. So, um, and this is, um, this is kind of on trend for Disney um, live-action remakes. I wanted to originally push this narrative, um, and I think I said something last week, that the people are getting sick of the live action remakes but i don't know if the monies are there or if the if the monies i don't know if the numbers are there the monies <laughs> i don't know if the monies are there i don't know if the numbers are there that back that up um the disney live action remakes are kind of the only thing that disney studios has going for them that makes them a billion dollars every single time um outside of like star wars or disney or i'm uh, marvel um they have no other live action movies that they put out that make anywhere close to that even when the Rotten Tomato scores are abysmal. So, um, yeah, it's funny because every time I talk to somebody about a live action Disney remake, people say something like, they're like, oh, they're terrible. They all, they're all awful. And then they'll proceed to list all of the ones that they watched. And invariably, every time they've seen more of them than I have. Right. Um, Aladdin had a Rotten Tomato score of 57%, and it had a worldwide box office of a billion dollars. Right. Um, right. The Lion King had a Rotten Tomato score of 52%, and it had a worldwide box office of $1,600,000,000. Like, these yeah. movies are not failing financially. There's clearly a market for them for some reason. I don't know. I'm personally getting very sick of them. They're always just worse versions of that other movie I liked. Right. Um, Absolutely. You know, actually, I, um, the only one that I had seen before this was The Jungle Book, and I like The Jungle Book. And I'll tell people, you know, like, oh, I, I thought it was fine. You know, I like Christopher Walken as King Louie and stuff. And then people will be like, those movies are all ass. I can't believe you would watch them. They'll say, Aladdin was terrible. I really didn't like it when I saw Aladdin. And, the uh, you know, The Lion King was bad. When I saw that, I didn't like it. And it's like, okay, well, you saw all these movies. You know, <laughs> you paid for right. them. Right, right. You're paying them money still. As far as Disney, like, cares, they have your money, so they're going to keep doing it because you're probably going to pay them to see the next one. <laughs> so Yeah, absolutely. Um, the... This movie, though, unlike a lot of them, didn't just, like, especially The Lion King. The Lion King is just the exact same movie, almost shot for shot, that you had seen before. And then, um, like, Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast are very, very oh, similar I saw, versions. I saw Beauty and the Beast, too. 
Very, so very I, similar I versions of the original movie. Not exactly shot for shot, but adding in a bunch of like unneeded nonsense to fill out the plot and make it just a little bit more um, live action friendly of a story. Man, you talk about adding unneeded nonsense. This Mulan movie, 2020, oh my god. This movie made a bunch of unnecessary changes, um, but they were all made so that this movie would better appeal to the Chinese audience. Um, right. So this this Disney was going hard. Disney did not care what you here in America thought about this movie. They wanted all that sweet, sweet China money, and they um, pandered to that audience maybe even too hard. I'm not really sure where I fell on the line here because all of the changes to pander to Chinese audiences – seems like they would make a lot of sense. Um, and this is nothing that's new for Disney. Um, if you saw Iron Man 3, you might not remember the subplot where Tony Stark flies to China to help have a Chinese scientist help him figure out how to beat the extremist order. But if you saw Iron Man 3 in China, that was an entire part of the movie that was filmed and put into the movie just for Chinese audiences so that they could have a little bit uh, more connection to the film that took place entirely in San Francisco. Yeah, this is common, right? That movies get edited and recut for Chinese audiences in particular. Right, and there's a lot of things that um, the the, the uh, homosexual community right now is going through a thing with Disney where Disney keeps putting quote-unquote homosexual characters in their films, but it's just like a kiss or a something that can easily be edited out. Uh, most notoriously, this was in the last Star Wars movie. Um, the female general at the end kisses her girlfriend in right. like a scene that lasts less than a second. So if, if Disney wanted to show this in a Chinese market where they don't really allow for that sort of thing, they could easily just edit out that second of footage, and then that's never happened, and they don't whatever. But Disney gets to tout around how they had a had a queer scene in the movie, and it was super cool. We had two ladies kissing. Aren't you guys all like super into it? And uh, it's been a problem. It's been something that's been very controversial for Disney to be doing for a while. At the way that they pander to this like foreign market, but it's really bad to the point now where they have. Chinese, um, essentially diplomats looking over their scripts to make sure that the script for the movies that they're making now will be okay to play in China so that they're not doing anything that offends the Chinese government, which ends, ends up being like really politically, um, problematic, especially when like they're backing up things like China's claim to the, um, to the Chinese sea that they don't really have any claim over. But now Disney has it in this movie that back in like, uh, ancient China, China totally had uh, ownership over that territory. So Ooh, China, I, didn't know, I didn't know about that. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, so, so <laughs> it's just things like that that they've been putting in that, like, of course the Chinese government wants that in your film, but it just kind of hel- helps uh, push their agenda more so than a, um, a better narrative. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and we also... Uh, we'd be remiss to not mention the current political climate in China where protesters are fighting for democracy and freedom in Hong Kong, where there are ongoing uh, internment of Uyghur Muslims uh, into actual concentration camps uh, by the Chinese government. Um, so, Right. So I had all that in my notes here, too, um, of the controversy that has surrounded since the release of the film. Uh, midway through filming, uh, the star who plays Mulan, uh, Leo <laughs> Yifei, um, was she was uh she tweeted out support for Hong Kong police during the protests um about a year and a half ago and um she her tweet exactly said I also support Hong Kong police you can beat me up now um and this led to a whole string of people tweeting um for the boycott of Mulan 
Um, hashtag boycott Mulan was a trend on social media, which caused the Chinese government to fire back with hashtag support Mulan. Um, so huh. for at least a while, the government in China expected this to be a really big film. And there are number there are new uh, there are numerous actors in this movie who have come out in support of the Chinese government and um, in support of Chinese police during the Hong Kong protests, including Jet Li, Donnie Yen, Jason Scott Lee, um, and other actors in China. Um, including Jackie Chan. This might be a controversial stand for me to take. I'm not sure how much I can fault the actors here when they're living in a like authoritarian dictatorship uh, country where the movie industry is owned and run by the government. And if they want to work <laughs> um, ever again, they have to come out in support of that government and its practices. Um, yeah, I'm not... I, I would agree. I mean, it's difficult to to fault the actors for having to kind of, you know, toe the party line, right? Right. They they don't have a choice. It, the, um, China, if you speak out against the things that the government is doing, they just blacklist you in the industry and you don't work ever again. And that's just it. Like, it's just as long as you are a Chinese national and you are working in an industry that is run by the government, which is kind of all of them, you have to kind of work within the uh, the Chinese Communist Party and toe the party line. Where yeah. I do draw the line here, though, from my understanding, is where Disney um, thanks uh, and credits the Xinjiang government um, during the credits of the movie, because apparently they shot some scenes there. Um, Disney has tried to since say um, they had a spokesperson, their chief financial officer, Christine McCarthy, has come out and said in a statement that Mulan was primarily shot in um, almost the entirety in New Zealand. And in an effort to accurately depict some of the unique landscapes and geography of the country of China for this historically uh, period peace drama, we filmed scenery in 20 different locations in China. So in our credits, sorry, this is a little awkward because this is all just one big run on sentence that she just said it. (laughs) Sorry if it sounds really weird. Um, So in our credits, that was recognized both China as well as locations in New Zealand. And I would just leave it at that. But it's generated a lot of issues for us, which I would say is an understatement. Maybe you don't want to thank the uh, the government, which has um, notoriously hosts concentration camps where they're rounding up uh, people based on their religion for re-education and forced sterilization. It just seems like a bad idea. You might want to just yeah. stay away from that entirely. This isn't a new thing. This has been in the news for years. Um, whatever China is saying that that's not what's going on there, but whatever is going on there, they sure don't want you to know about it. They're not allowing any news cameras there. They're blocking it out on Google Earth. It's a big secret. Um, we only know what people who have escaped those internment camps have told us what's going on there, and that's what they're saying is happening. It feels like Disney could have filmed somewhere else <laughs> or just yeah. not not made this movie there at all. Yeah, we should say you know, that, that the responsibility – uh, lays squarely on the shoulders of Disney uh, to either cooperate or, you know, implicitly support uh, these decisions, right? By, um, you know, for purely profit-driven reasons, uh, rather than on the actors and actresses and, and the crew who make this movie, uh, who are just, you know, sort of uh, taking a job and, and they have a responsibility towards their own families and, and things like that. Um, right. Whereas Disney, you know, this is purely a, a profit-driven enterprise, right? And so, um, inaction or, or positive action on their part is is inherently supportive of the terrible atrocities being committed against human rights by uh, this government. 
Yeah, it's pretty bad. Let's talk about something a little bit more fun. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, that uh, Disney, in their attempt to uh, change this story entirely to appeal to a Chinese audience, failed spectacularly and just tripped and landed straight on their face. Um, the the easiest thing that I can pick at right here um, that I found online was that uh, the star Liu Yefei, Liu Yefei um, I hope that's right, uh, just isn't that popular an actress in China, and her movies really don't make that much money. So putting her as the star, like, actress in this movie wasn't going to bolster um people in china to go out to the theaters to see this over the other three versions of mulan that came out this year um but people uh asian audiences were also complaining that the um wire work and the stunts in this movie were just not up to par with other action movies that are being released within their country um, yeah not even, I, I can't imagine it's even close it didn't look good which I thought this was the worst decision for them to make to do this, because uh, this is a style of film that is not popular in with Western audiences at all. The last movie I can think of that was really popular in the U.S. that had this um, unrealistic physics-defying style of action with wire work um, was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Hidden Dragon, yeah, and that That's came exactly out twenty years ago, and I can't yep. think of another <laughs> um, another example of this style film that came out between twenty years ago and now that was actually popular and big with audiences. So it seems like a bad move to make, and then to not even do it well to the point where Chinese audiences are like, "What is this shit? This is super lame. It's just yep. like embarrassing." I go, right. like, how do you get yourself in that point? Um, the other changes to the story, like removing Mushu and the music from the film, were purely um, cultural decisions to make because, um, as it's been pointed out uh, in other reviews online that I've seen, the things that translate the worst um, from one language to another in a film are um, comedic, uh, quippy pop culture references um, and emotional storytelling being told through song because neither of those things translate from culture to culture or language to language so if just you just cut all of that stuff out you make a movie that is much easier to adapt for um both an american and a chinese audience but you also make a film that is just worse <laughs> so i would agree yeah you, it, you take all the things that people in america liked about the original movie and you give them something that doesn't appeal to them and then you put all this stuff in that you get wrong <laughs> would appeal to a Chinese audience, and it doesn't appeal to them. So you end up with a movie that appeals to nobody. Um, yep, I would agree. Yeah, I think uh, it, a perfect example of the uh, age-old phrase that if you try to please everyone all the time, you know, you'll end up pleasing no one, you know, or whatever, right? Like, right. Um, I would like they, to give a shout out here to YouTuber um, who I'm I'm going to butcher your name, and I'm very sorry. Um, Zyrin J. Zhao, who was so offended by the movie that she created a YouTube channel to point out all the things that were culturally long, wrong with Mulan. Um, the, t- the video is called Everything Culturally Wrong with Mulan 2020 and how they could have been fixed. Um, and she does a really good job of breaking down just how Disney missed the mark every step of the way of trying to pander to a Chinese audience by just not even taking the basic time to do to understand what um, where Chinese culture was on these themes that they're trying to depict. Um, she starts off by pointing out that Mulan had an American director, an American costume designer, and four American screenwriters, and that it shows <laughs> because they do a terrible job portraying Chinese history and culture. Um, the film does has 
numerous historical inaccuracies, such as Mulan's home being the type of building found in the Southern Dynasty China we talked about before, um, when Mulan was written and was, grew up in Northern Dynasty China. And it's not like during this time period, Northern Dynasty China would have been showing up to Southern Dynasty China to get troops and stuff. So this is just completely culturally inaccurate. It would be like showing um, buildings typically from one, like the, uh, I don't know, from one country uh, showing up in another country. Um, another right. big mistake that they make is that they present qi as this energy flowing through, or qi in the Chinese culture is energy, is life energy that flows through all human beings and is um, seen as more of like a physiological essence like blood. And it's the basis for like acupuncture. It's something that like, is just thrown around in China all the time. Everyone knows what qi is. It's it's a very common thing. And for them to use it like the force is just really stupid to Chinese audiences because it's Probably not offensive too. <laughs> it's not this mystical power that people have or that only some people can um can use. And though there are some uh Chinese uh movies where people harness the power of their chi to become more powerful it's not something it's not some like weird mystical force that they're born with it's just like a it's a physiological essence like blood and for her to have like better chi than somebody is like saying somebody has better blood than somebody um so they she also points out that um chinese myths and folklore don't have witches so to include a witch immediately westernizes the story um, that was the dumbest that was one of the dumbest changes it made no sense to me Made absolutely no sense, and it, it and it immediately point like makes the movie not culturally relevant in the country that you're trying to make this movie for, um, and then it also um, messes up what phoenixes mean in Chinese culture and folklore because a phoenix who rises from the ashes and is a symbol of rebirth is a Westernized phoenix, whereas in um, Chinese folklore, um, phoenixes are more shown as like a symbol of wealth and prosperity and are generally used as just good omens. So for this phoenix to keep showing up every time Mulan has to like realize herself and like change change her armor from like being uh, Ping to being Mulan, it doesn't fit the themes that Chinese audiences would identify with a phoenix. So it makes no sense. Yeah, <laughs> just like just little things like this just makes it feel so pandering to the Chinese market that e I'm sure even those that did see it. We're like, you didn't even take the time to understand the basics of my history and culture here in this country. And you made a movie that is so culturally insensitive that it's more offending than it is um, uh, endearing. Yeah. And it's just, it, they, they missed the mark on literally everything, every decision made here with this movie. And what's interesting is that even divorced from the horrific global uh, human rights and political implications, even divorced from the bad interpretation of Chinese history and culture, uh, that even in a vacuum as an action movie, this movie is bad. It's very you know? bad. It's not a good movie. Uh, one of the things that it just hurt me so much, I mean, let's forget about that they removed the amazing soundtrack. Let's forget about that they removed Mushu and all the interesting animals, you know, the, the horse and the, and the, the cricket. Um, well, cricket was alive, was a person in this one. Cricket right. was just a human yeah. being. Right. Which was so, a dumb decision because you're not portraying the, the same character. You're just adding another foolish ope to, yeah. <laughs> to hang around Mulan. There, there are just so many bad choices made in terms of movie making, right? 
that Mulan, in the beginning, she doesn't go through any real sort of transformation at all. She's always been hyper-capable as a fighter. She joins the army, and she's better than them at fighting to begin with. Um, she doesn't... The, the whole segment about her kind of... Which never made any sense to me. Like, like, as soon as they start talking about it, the power of chi, they're in the Emperor's throne room... And they're talking about how the power of chi is forbidden from being used to destroy things, as if chi is like, uh, like the force, like in right, in Star Wars, right. like it's it's something that the Jedi or the Sith can use to fight people. So then, why are there not entire armies of like chi strong people to go fight this 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 invading army? Like, why would China even go to if if we're living in this world where there are entire groups of people who can master their chi to the point where they are essentially superheroes why are they not the only ones the army is interested in to fight these like invading uh invading forces why would they even bother going um to some village to collect normal people to train them to be soldiers like who cares go get the chi people like go get the people who like can do double backflips and off of (laughs) like horses and kick arrows through people's faces yeah she she catches the arrow or whatever right she does that Um, four times in the movie it's so lame later on she (laughs) instead of you know having the um you know her outsmarting people there's a part where she literally like one v8s the huns like she's fighting like eight of them by herself uh, and then there's like the, when the witch has like her baby face turn at the end, man, there, I, I just have stuff written about how bad some of the editing was. <laughs> the um, witch's motivations make no sense. It's so dumb. She wants to be accepted by a society. So she's going to help this guy overtake China. Why don't you just take overtake China? There's like, <laughs> like what, what skin in this game do you really have? Like, I don't understand. She was banished. Like, who cares? Go, go take a city over. If you're, if you're going to join an army that is motivated by invading Northern dynasty China and taking over, then just do it. Like, what do you need? What do you need to be subservient to this guy for? Like, cause he's going to, he's going to what? He's going to allow you to be like his like lap dog once he's emperor. Like who cares? Like kill this guy. He's freaking worthless. Like he, he does nothing. I'd also like to point out the uh, actor who plays that, uh, the main villain in this movie is David from Lilo and Stitch. So his, oh. his roles in Disney films have changed a lot, but, um, <laughs> But she was he was a completely worthless character. I don't understand why. Especially in a movie about girl power, right? Right. Uh, which is actually absolutely, totally insane. It is ridiculously obvious that she is a girl the entire time. She yes, doesn't, I, she doesn't uh, cut her hair. It, it's she doesn't do anything. She so just looks uh, the like the haircutting is another is a culturally because during Northern Dynasty China, um, men didn't cut their hair. Men let their hair stay as long as possible. So that was a thing that Chinese audiences hated about the uh, original animated movie. Because Ooh, it wasn't historically accurate, so they that was actually an attempt to be historically accurate here. But you're removing a thing. If I think um, one review I read of Mulan pointed out that that clip from the original animated movie has the most views on YouTube of any scene from the movie. Obviously, that's one that connects with audiences. So for them to get so much wrong, but leave that, it's just like embarrassing. It's just yeah. like you're taking out the thing that people like. Again, I, I'm harping on this so much. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, they, it's just bad. It's. <laughs> uh, let's talk about 
is that what's good about it? I mean, this is something I I thought we might do for when we really hate a, uh, a remake. <laughs> is what's good? One of the things I thought was good is that the landscapes are beautiful. It's very colorful, at least. Uh, they have those kind of like weird top down Wes Anderson style shots. So that was cool. I will I will give it a little credit for not just going the she's the man route that the original animated movie went where Mulan is trying to fit in with the men and she's not just like, well, we're all men here and we right, all smell right. bad and like to spit and stuff. <laughs> right, guys? Like I, I will give it some credit for that, but I can't say what it did instead was more entertaining. It was just Mulan sulking around and being sad and trying not to get seen. But yeah. I, 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 okay, being positive. <laughs> um, uh, I read that uh, Liu Yifei performs 90% of all her own stunts in this movie, including horse riding and sword fighting, and that's that's pretty cool. That's cool. I, I read that um, <laughs> this is the largest budget ever given to a woman director. That's very that is that is very cool. This, <laughs> Man, we're like trying so hard to pull out some stuff that's good. I'm gonna be I, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna wrap it up right here. I didn't like anything about this movie. I don't want this to just become. I mean, it already is. It's just it's already just us shitting all over it. I, there, I was completely disengaged all the way through um, because you, they took out all of the comedy that would not make sense culturally, and they took out all of the music that was really great from the original film, and they left kind of nothing behind everything just felt empty i didn't like the in mulan's girl power like quote-unquote girl power movie for the like the plot has to have this mulan has to be um accepted by another woman for her to find self-worth like that's the only reason the witch is there for the witch is only there for her for the witch to be like you know what mulan you're pretty cool (laughs) <laughs> like like none of like we like it's not it's not enough for like all of the men in her regime to find her as like an equal and like decide to fight by her side no we have to have um another woman step in just to like give like a wink and finger guns to Mulan before killing herself for no reason yeah, um horrible it was just it, this movie missed the mark on like literally every level everything everything I don't I, I, I think this is a new low for me I think it's worse than the Tom Cruise mummy this, I would agree. I'd say I'd say it's on par. I'm gonna I'm gonna put them on the same par. And I was at least I was at least entertained by Tom Cruise Mummy. I was not entertained by this at all. It was boring and awful and stupid. Uh, and also, you know, one of the things I said in the Ghost in the Shell episode was that that was the the highest delta, the the biggest change from quality of the original to uh, you know low quality of the remake. I think this is an even bigger delta. We're going to have to have like a scale in the future where we're judging for specifically animated to live action adaptations, I think, because this is this is the uh, I don't I'm I'm interested to see if we actually find a movie that goes from animated to live action where they keep the quality intact. Yeah, I I don't know, but it's not this one. Uh, It's one of the last things that uh, I noticed that I thought was kind of cool is that at the end when Mulan is being celebrated by the emperor in front of the whole court. The woman who presents her to the Emperor's Celebration Room is the original voice actress for Mulan. Right, uh, is uh, Ming-Na Wen. She actually right. came yep. in, and she's and she's painted up like Mulan in the original movie um, when she goes to see the matchmaker, which I thought was really cool. I thought that was yeah. a good scene. So um, th- that's like, you know, uh, in our 2% uh, appreciation, <laughs> you know, we got that one thing. Yeah, uh, just, I... Just, yeah, I, I hated this movie. Um, I know we're running very long. 
I just wanted to end this by pointing out, we talked about how Disney um, was kind of fighting to be able to make live action versions of all these films, which were open public domain stories that anyone could just step in and make. So, of course, Disney has a ton of live action remakes um, on the schedule right now. In fact, if you could just name a single uh, animated movie which has any sort of nostalgia anywhere, Disney probably has it in production right now. Um, We mentioned in the 101 Dalmatians episode that Cruella is supposedly coming out May 28th, 2021. Um, Emma Stone, right? It is the only live-action remake currently in production which has a release date. Um, It is set to be directed by I, Tanya's um, Craig Gillespie and starring Emma Stone, as you just said. Um, And it's set in 1970s London with a punk rock motif, and that's about all we know about it. Uh, after that would be The Little Mermaid being produced by Lin-Manuel Miranda um, set to be directed by Rob Marshall who did Into the Woods and recently Mary Poppins Returns which was not good <laughs> um, and would star singer uh, Halle Bailey who is not Harry, Halle ba- Berry um, every single time I was practicing this I said Halle ba- Berry not Halle Bailey and now I'm stumbling over it every time I try to read back oh my god um, so that movie will star Halle Bailey, um, and it's set to begin production, um, but production had to be suspended due to COVID-19, so they haven't started filming that yet. Um, Peter Pan and Wendy is also in production right now, or pre-production right now. Uh, Jude Law is set to star as Captain Hook, and they will be going into production um, when, again sometime once it's brought back because production has been uh, suspended due to COVID-19. Um, Robert Zemeckis from Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, all great movies. Um, has signed on to make a live-action Pinocchio remake, which is rumored to have Tom Hanks uh, as Geppetto, but he has not yet signed on. I thought um, you were going to say jo- Tom Hanks as Pinocchio. I Tom like, Hanks as Pinocchio. <laughs> I would see that movie. Yo, Robert Zemeckis, make that movie. Just nobody acknowledges that Tom Hanks is like 60 years old. It's just him running around. But I'm a little boy. I'd totally see that movie. Um, Josh Gad is producing a live-action Hunchback of Notre Dame. The Russo brothers of... Um, uh, Infinity War and Endgame and Civil War uh, fame are producing a live-action Hercules. The Amazing Spider-Man's Mark Webb is supposedly signed on to direct some sort of live-action Snow White. Um, Captain Marvel co-writer Geneva Robertson Dwart has been hired to write a live-action remake for Bambi. Uh, Lilo and Stitch, The Sword in the Stone, and a live-action Robin Hood, which would not be with real people, but would be... Um, uh, walking anthropomorphic animals, just like the original Disney's Robin Hood uh, had, have all been pushed to Disney Plus. So there's not a lot of news about what is going on behind the scenes of those movies because they will not be going out to theaters. And then, of course, The Jungle Book, Aladdin, and Mulan, for some reason, uh, all have se- uh, sequels which are in pre-production, but nothing has been confirmed for any of the films. Um, and at, at this point, I'd be surprised if a Mulan sequel happens at all. I rushed through that very quickly because we're running very long. But Dave, are there any of those that you would be excited to see? Uh, I guess the Lin Manuel Miranda Little Mermaid, you know. But man, uh, I don't have high hopes. Uh, <laughs> I, I would kind of be interested to see uh, Josh Gad's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, I feel like they could go, depending on how weird Disney wants to take the Hunchback story, uh, based on the original story. If anybody is aware of what the how the original Hunchback of Notre Dame goes, it is very different from the disney film and i would like to see 
uh, them try to do a second take at that. But that's kind of the kind of movie that I wish Disney was remaking instead of all these. I know there's no money in remaking films that nobody gives a shit about. But right. The Hunchback is one of those films where like Disney missed the mark the first time. And there is a great story debate to, to adapt there. So they have ways they can improve in making another movie. Whereas remaking something like uh, Mulan, for example, they hit the mark the first time I, where do you where where could you improve clearly nowhere they just made a worse movie um i wish disney would just start remaking like uh the black cauldron or um the great mouse detective sword or in the stone sword in the well they're doing sword in the stone for straight to disney plus but so we'll see how that goes <laughs> but um but those movies were like where they were good but there was there was or there was great elements to them but they just kind of missed the mark Redo those movies. Give me a live-action Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet um, notoriously had the uh, 70-30 rule behind the scenes where everything had to be 30% sci-fi and 70% um, like old nautical whatever, which ended up with like crazy weird ships flying through space. <laughs> and it really like ruined the aesthetic of that movie. Remake it, but flip the 70-30 rule when now it's 70% sci-fi and 30% like old-timey nautical stuff. I feel yeah. like you like would have a great movie there. Um or Atlantis. Atlantis came out when we were kids. That was another movie that I just missed the mark. Like, all these movies where you really have somewhere to say, these were the things we did wrong. These were the areas where we can improve. And these movies would actually translate well to a live-action medium. Go do that. Stop doing the, <laughs> stop doing the, the, um, the Lion Kings and the Mulans and the... The movies where you, you did it you did it the first time. Beauty and the Beast is the like one of the only animated movies ever to be nominated for Best Picture. Good job. We don't need another one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's uh, where I'll leave that off. Uh, what's next for us? So I know um, Do we have anything on our schedule? What was supposed what was supposed to be next? We have a Patreon poll for our October uh, horror movie one. Um, I know that we want to get to Star Trek uh, with our friend Brian as a guest. I know we want to get to the Haunting of Bly Manor, which as far as I'm concerned, or as far as I know, doesn't have a release date yet uh, with our friend John <laughs> as a guest. Um, but I also know that uh, our plans for later on, like Black Widow and West Side Story, have been greatly pushed away. So we'll see you next time, everybody. Support human rights. <laughs>